Hello and welcome to Touchline from Kasper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello Mark. Kas, nice being back. Yeah, definitely. Very excited about tonight's guest. It's a legend in South African rugby. An absolute legend. Yes. We're so privileged to welcome Stefan Teblanche in the studio with us tonight. Stefan, welcome and thank you very much for being here. Awesome. Thank you very much, gents. Always great to talk rugby and thanks for hosting me on your wonderful show. Stefan, to, to start off with, tell us about Stefan Teblanche. Where did it all start? Um, how did it come about you playing provincial rugby and springbok rugby? It's a long story, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you how. It, it's always a passion of, of mine to play sport. Growing up in a small little town, firstly born in Mossel Bay and the beautiful Southern Cape there, then grew up for my first seven years in a small little town called Albertinia. My dad was the postmaster. And from there, we got uh, transferred to Swellendam, and that's where it really all started for me in my first year of school. And, and in a small little town, Everybody needs to play. Everybody needs to do all sports. Otherwise, you don't have a team to perform and to play on the weekend. So uh, I couldn't wait. I must. I really enjoyed school, but I don't think so much for for the academic side of it. More for the school side. And I absolutely love my time growing up in the small little town of Swellendam. And as I said, had to do all sports from tug of war to tennis to cricket to athletics to and then of course to to the main sport in the in the winter. Well, in fact, the only sport. With a little bit of cross country for for the boys in Swellendam was was rugby, which was uh, you know the heart and soul of, of of the little town. Every Saturday was a great day playing against the neighbouring towns. It was a derby every weekend. Played early in the mornings as a youngster, playing the frost off the field, snow on mountains, the beautiful Langeberg Mountains, and then you know watch the under 13s play. Then watch the high school play, carry the sand for them. In those days, they still use sand to uh, to kick. And then from there, you rushed across to the the town's rugby field where the where the town played the three teams in the afternoon. So Saturdays was only for one thing in my book, and that was for rugby all day. So Stefan, you were talking about obviously, uh, and I think a lot of smaller schools today are still like that, where you have to play multiple sports. So other than rugby, what was the other sports that you played, and and what did you excel in? For us, we, we had to do sport because I wanted to, but I mean, um, in primary school, I played all summer sports. It was from tennis to cricket to athletics. Those were the main summer sports. With, uh, with We didn't have swimming at school. We only had one gala a year, but uh, you know, only, <laughs> only, the, only the good swimmers. I wasn't a great swimmer. Um, uh, That's why you only guy. had one gala. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, that, was, that was enough for me. So yeah, in summer, it was all those sports, but then in high school, I wouldn't say I specialized, but uh, athletics was my sport in the summer, and then winter it was it was rugby. So that was that was the two choices, and and I wouldn't have it any other way. I feel sad these days for the for the boys and even for girls uh, specializing in sports so early. I think they leave a lot out there in terms of their natural development. I would strongly suggest, and, and, and research have shown, if you look at the top sportsmen in the world, the Americans have done a lot of research on it, and I'm not referring to the Americans. The only reason I do that is because they've done so much research on it, they obviously have the time and the resources to do that, is that, you know, the guys at the top of their game right now as professionals, if you look at them, they played a multiple of sports across all spectrums when they were at school. 
and that helps with you know the development from motor <laughs> you know all of that the whole the whole important part of, of growing up and letting your body develop naturally so uh, you know, I, I do i do understand and i do see where especially rugby coaches come from these days and they they almost practice rugby in december already to play in uh, in march the next year taking on a, almost a fully professional approach to the sport but i do think that the kids they don't benefit from it. and to be fair by the time they get to 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 university they tired of rugby they've played so hard they've played so much uh, uh, they've been treated like professionals so it is it is a concern but i also believe that if you look at the size, if you look at the ability of these boys, the amount of time they spend in the gym, as a school, if you don't, if you don't prepare like that, it's hard to compete at the very top level. Okay, so I just want to ask the one question on this. So, so you obviously spoke about athletics and whatever, and and you know, rugby is a unique sport where all shapes and sizes can can obviously play the sport. Whereas other sport, it's more more. I, don't, I won't say the skill set, but your 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 body obviously depicts as to what you can do and can't do. So just on that, um, if you go if you go back to a to a youngster, whether it's a, a young girl or a young boy developing, because we're fortunate enough to have ladies playing rugby worldwide now as well. Um, obviously, one can pick out certain sports that will that will complement rugby specific. But let's go let's go to your to your position that you played on the wing and that more often than not. Athletics in your specific position, obviously, I'm assuming, played a massive role in your success at the end of the day. Incredible. I think it formed a very good base and a very good understanding of fitness, hard work, and just all that. But, you know, yeah, explosive power, speed, endurance, every single bit that you need as a, as a good rugby player, you will find in athletics. You know, there's a... There's also the technique of, of running so that you do so without getting injuries. I was very fortunate in my career that injuries or serious injuries stayed stayed away. I do believe it's a way you prepare yourself, but I also do believe that it's a base that you you got uh, growing up as a kid. And athletics, without a doubt, laid a very, very good foundation. It's, it's sad to see, in, and especially in KZN, that athletics at school is not a big sport you know my daughter she loves running but she she goes to a club to train there's no athletics at school she goes to an all-girls school and uh, and she needs to go to a club to do athletics so i think if you look at if you look at the provinces we always talk about kzn our rugby and if you look at the the, the real strong provinces if you go up north uh to Gauteng, and then if you move down to the western cape again those schools all have strong athletics. Yeah. I mean, there's a strong athletic culture there that they do in summer and, and again at the end of the year. And without a doubt, that certainly helped their boys prepare them well for, for the rugby season. Stefan, more often than not, you hear top um, rugby players uh, tell you that they've, they've had multiple um, sports disciplines at school. Uh, they participated in cricket and and hockey and uh, tennis and athletics um, and then very late in their school career or even after school at varsity they only choose to uh, specialize in rugby do you really think that we're lacking in that now and that our current schoolboys will find it difficult to to um, go to the highest level 
if they if they're not exposed to to multiple sports i i don't think they they will find it difficult at school level but after school without a doubt yes. uh, that base and that enjoyment that we got playing rugby at school level and i grew up in a totally different era to now I finished school in 1993 so you know we work hard uh, on the rugby field practice and training but not even close to what these boys are you know exposed to now and the way they train so without a doubt uh, i do believe that they will battle later on but i think the the main thing that we see and if you look at the drop out from firstly under 13 craven week for those boys playing crane week again at high school i think there's only like 22 percent of them will play crane week in high school uh, so obviously there's a lot of psychological and a lot of physical change that happens from the ages of 12 to 17, 18. That, that's one reason for it, and that, there's nothing you can do about that. But then again, the boys who play Craven Week, and that goes on to play provincial and international rugby again, there's a massive, there's a massive, you know, I've had plenty of examples like that, of unbelievable talent when I was playing at school, schoolboys around me from the big schools like Oakdale, Oceaniqua. But very few, if any of those players who were stars in my Craven Week team, featured on later in life, other other than myself. So that shows you the drop of always used it as an example. So, yeah, I do I do believe that they will fall behind and for not doing multiple sports without a doubt. But also, I think that burnout when they get to university is is a real thing. Uh, Stefan, can I then just ask uh, while we're talking about schoolboy and and we cover schoolboy rugby quite yep. extensively at times um you know if you if you look and we we're going to do the Volderklave and all those a little bit later but if you look at your top schools in south africa um those players although they at school are basically like professional players already and that's how they're being molded and that there are thousands of spectators fifteen thousand at times that go and watch specific specific uh, schools play against each other and then after school um, when they go into their under-20s, and uh, it's countrywide where, where we have a lack in under-20s coming through the school yeah. system to play club rugby. Do you think part of that, because they're getting pushed so hard at school and to participate at specific, at a specific level, and you know there's there's early morning, 5, 6 o'clock, they, they're at school, they're ready to training, they train till 5, 6 o'clock at night, and then they participate and there's thousands of crowds, and then all of a sudden... When they go to a club club level now, you only have three or four hundred people, people watching there. the games, and yeah. then the kids think, "Well, this is not for them." Absolutely, and, um, and you guys, you involved in club rugby, and you you can tell the story yourself. Think about it as a school kid, you know, you, and this is how it goes because this is what happens. So, at the age of eleven or twelve, you get scouted by a high school. They're willing and prepared to pay your full school fees and remember some of these school fees are private school fees they are if you never look at some of the private schools in south africa three hundred thousand rand just yeah. for the school fees and boarding so they're willing to pay that for you that's an investment of two million straight away into the kid uh you know so he's treated like a hero so from the age of 11 12 he's already got an understanding that he's got some talent but also now he's he is in in, in realistically he's getting paid for his services to go to a high school because they best that amount of money in you but they also want you to perform you the yeah. star they want you to perform so that pressure first of all on that kid he's got no idea how to handle it and that's no fault of his own so then he goes through his school yes he plays well he plays for the first team you know maybe makes a crane week team and again after school 
there are now literally hundreds of schools across South Africa where you now have to compete where everybody's got talent you go to university uh, if you don't get a contract straight out of school a lot of these kids obviously looking for contracts straight out of school and if they don't get a contract they've got absolutely no interest to go to a club to go and play on a practice on a Tuesday and Thursday night pay your own way there go on a bus on a Saturday travel to Impangeni or Bay. Don't play rugby where there's 500 people watching. I mean, that's that's amateur rugby, and that those were the best days of my rugby career, uh, playing for the teachers' college of Wellington and Boland for absolutely no pay other than a few beers after the words with your with your mates, and that's it. But unfortunately, the the, the professional game and you know bursaries and scholarships and recruitment has taken away a little bit of that amateur, you know, that that's instilled in rugby. Rugby should not really be a professional game because it's got so many good values, but unfortunately, and, they, and don't get me wrong, they, they're great things about um, professional sport, but you need a proper and a real structure to make that work, that you don't lose those guys who will never play professional rugby, but they got a scholarship when they were the age of 11 or 12, and now when they get to matric, they think they're going to play professional rugby. They never play into That's just That is the reality. Yes. And you, you lose those guys and you want those guys to come to club rugby and have longevity in the sport, play club rugby for 10 or 15 yes. years, you know, pass the fines meeting on to the next generation coming through, and that's how you build a culture of rugby, and that's how you keep it. Unfortunately, I think professionalism has taken slight, uh, taken some of that wonderful rugby camaraderie away. Yeah, for sure. Stefan, on a, on a lighter note, um, rapid-fire questions quickly. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first car? Toyota Corolla 1100. What do you drive currently? Uh, Isuzu. Hey, well done. Love that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Dutchie. Eh? I'm a Dutchie. Eh? Not, hey, not cool. so <laughs> that makes two of us. Uh, pizza or pasta? Uh, pasta. What food do you absolutely hate on your plate? Jeez, I was brought up by Afrikaans mum. We, we were made to eat everything, otherwise you get a cup and a, and a second helping helping of food. But I'll have to probably say, uh, tripe. One of my uh, one of my uh, friends' dad was preparing tripe or afal yep. uh, in the house when I was like 11 years old. I went to visit him in the house. I can still smell to this day. So I would say, I would say tripe, definitely. Okay. Best holiday destination? Uh, Transkei uh, on the east coast of Africa. Oh, yeah, I was hoping you'd say Toti. <laughs> That's east coast. <laughs> uh, I'm, scared, I'm scared to come to Toti. Uh, yeah, no. No, you're, not, you're scared leaving. <laughs> Dream job when you were little? Uh, marine biologist. Hey, well done. Um, moment you regret the most on the rugby field? Jeez, moment I regret the most. That is a that is a difficult one. There are many. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that is a, that is a difficult one. Uh, moment I regret. To be honest, I don't. I don't regret really anything. There were some moments that you that that's harder to swallow. Obviously, lose in the last minute or drop a ball with an open try line. Yeah. But. Uh, a funny one that I do regret is because Nick Mallet was my coach at Boerland and I was playing on the wing and a couple of weeks back he, he chased me out of the stadium and said, you know, you'll never select me for any, any of his teams if I don't learn how to tackle. So I got back there, you know, learn how to tackle and then 
about two months later, it was an injury, and he selected me again. I was playing. We were get, playing against the old Western Transvaal, and the wind was howling in the Wellington Stadium. It was an open stadium, and I, I remember as a wing, uh, Eugene Hare was still playing scrum off for them, and he kicked the ball over my head, and I saw it go out. Uh, out it was over my head, almost into the stands, but the wind blew it back into the field. So I turned, I turned around, and uh, looking at the stands and walking back and the next thing the ball landed next to me in, in the playing field so <laughs> uh, I could hear I could hear Nick Mallet swearing and shouting at me from the stand as an Afrikaans boy some of the words I didn't quite understand but I know I, I knew that they weren't uh, complimentary so that I, I, regret, I regret not watching and that's one thing I learned that day I'll watch till the end of my career every single ball till someone catches it in the stands or till it lands I'll watch that ball like a hawk Favorite book? Uh, Shantaram. Uh, David Goggins wrote a very good one as well. You can't break me. So, yeah, I would say Shantaram. Career highlight? Uh, obviously, making your debut for the Springboks and winning two Curry Cups with the Sharks, playing overseas. We won the Magnus League, as it was called then. It's now the Pro 14. We won that twice with the Ospreys. So, those were great moments. But playing in a World Cup, the 99 World Cup, I know we lost. Uh, in the semi-finals yeah. to Australia when Stephen Larkin got the drop goal, but uh, we then went on to beat New Zealand in the third and fourth place playoffs. So playing in that World Cup was, was amazing. It was a great experience. We were based in my favorite country in the world, Scotland as well. Yeah. So it was just a magic, magic uh, six weeks for me at the World Cup. Thank you. Oh. Now I was going to ask you as yeah. well, favorite moment. So favorite moment. And, and yeah. most, most guys speak about your first test cap or yeah. your first, you know, so... Um, I think I think on that can can we ask a favourite moment maybe with uh, the rugby legends, uh, Stefan? Because obviously you had massive uh, uh, boots that you that you had there, and when you vacated that, whoever has to lead them now has massive boots to fill. So, <laughs> what uh, what was your favourite favourite moments, and maybe your your not so favourite moments at at the rugby legends? Yeah, I think that's a very special Rugby Legends Association, a very special uh, club. And it's not certainly not exclusive. People always say, but how can you be so arrogant as to call yourself legends? And I said, it's not because of it's not because of what we did on the field. It's what the guys are doing off the field now, giving up their yes. own, own time, you know, not getting paid for anything just because they love the game so much and want people to experience the same fun, the same enjoyment we had out of the game. So teaching young kids how to play rugby or going to a feeding scheme or helping people who are less fortunate or having a rugby development program. So those are all highlights that, you know, people don't often see. Because trust me, rugby development is not a is not a flashy and not a uh, fanfare and, you know, it's it's hard work. You gotta find those rough diamonds in the outland areas and bring them and get them to enjoy rugby. Things we take for granted. If you go to to schools in rural areas, even in and around cities in Umlazi, you know, we talk about Kailicha and Tembiza in the, in the East Rand, you know, those places, things we take for granted, like a, a rugby playing field. We arrive on a Saturday and there's a piece of grass we can play on, it's, it's chalk lines on it, and we go. Those kids don't have the facilities, rugby boots, you know, transport to get to the field, some water or something to eat after the game. So those things are that, that we take for granted. and. You know, I, I do believe that we can do more with regards to development in this country. Certainly, we need more help from the government. But to see those kids play rugby and to see them grow and, and to see some of them play, you know, in varsity cups or making it to provincial teams or even into the seven setup with 
you know, with uh, Marius Schumann and Neil Powell. Those are great moments, all highlights. Stefan, those development um, camps that you guys um, host, do you follow up after that? You were talking about Tembisa or out here in the, in the rural areas. Um, do you follow up on those specific areas? Do you go back there to do a, a second or a third? Um, do you bring the same kids back? Or do you identify kids in the first, first run? And that's a great question. So there are areas or there are certain times which we will only go there once, but that's not our main, that's not the main purpose of SRAC Legends. So SRAC Legends got a development program in South Africa. Uh, when COVID happened, 30,000 boys and girls in a, boys and girls in the creative structure called Vuka Rugby. Uh, out of that, we selected the best national, uh, the best uh, provincial teams, all 14 provinces, and from there they go to Nakawi Week. From the Nakawi Week, then they go on to play in the Grand Coma Week. So there's a real pathway for the development of young players, and we do follow up. A lot of those players will fall away. A lot of those players you'll never see again. But you know, at the moment, 20 of those players playing varsity cup. So there is a real pathway for these kids who, who only started playing rugby at the age of 14, 15. To follow and to get better and to have an opportunity to play rugby. The beauty about Vuka rugby and then Ikawi week is, is it is a real development, but also a lot of those boys get opportunities to go to your traditional rugby playing schools like a great college or a DHS or, you know, even like a private school like Hilton or Michaelas. They get opportunities to go to those schools through rugby and then if they never play rugby again, that's also fine, but they got a great education. Yes. Uh, they made some mates, they made a connection, and uh, they hopefully set up for life. So, Stefan, if we can just uh, stop there for a second, um, and I think you, you brought something very important in, more so for youngsters that, that's watching us tonight, um, is the fact that, you, that you're coupling education, and not only to rugby, but any sport, Many of the youngsters coming through sport at schools now, as we spoke earlier, some of them think they've made it already. Some get contracted to a union early. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been privileged myself to coach rag, club rugby for many a year where we have these contracted, young contracted players coming in. And you know we were all young at one stage. So I'm a club coach. Stefan Blanche is a young 19-year-old that has just been contracted to the Sharks. When you get to the club... I actually don't matter because you don't really want to listen to me because I'm only a club coach yet. You are a provincial and a 19 youngster that has come through. Those youngsters only want to play rugby. So as a, as a club coach, we're trying to bring them in to say, right, come and play rugby and try and get an education because tomorrow your rugby career stops and you don't have anything. Through all your experience and whatever you do for rugby, I'm sure you guys try and install this as well, but how important is that not to make sure that the rest of your life is set outside of sport? That is so, so important. It's, it's so hard as a youngster, because, I mean, we all we were all young many years ago, so we all <laughs> thought that you could do anything. And to remind me of that daily, is I've got my own three kids now, so they're also young, so they also keep me on my toes. And it's so important uh, that, that kids, even... Even guys who's got a good schooling career behind him from traditional rugby playing schools, even a lot of those boys, all they want to do is play rugby. And, and we know, as you know, is that not a lot of guys, if you look at the big numbers, and especially the good school rugby players we have in this country, and not a lot of the players will make it into provincial rugby. 
and certainly even if you do you will certainly not earn enough money to to relax and to retire by the time you finish playing rugby if you're lucky at the age of 35 so important it's so so important for the guys to get education i just i just think about my time uh, sort of when i finished school we went to study that was that was the thing and then we played uh, then we played rugby for fun yeah, and then yeah. obviously Things a bit, and, and rugby became professional. So I was very fortunate to play in the amateur era, and then also the the transition from amateur to professional, and then went fully professional. So it's vitally important. Uh, if you look at the guys who are really successful after rugby, you'll see that they had a good education behind them, but they also studied after school. And it's just, you know, it's just it, it is hard, but uh, it's so important. We can't we can't emphasize that enough. I also think, Gus, with, with the Varsity Cup and the Varsity Shield yes. that has come in now, I mean, that speaks exactly to what we're saying from yeah. a rugby point of view, but they're even doing netball and all of that now. So they are coupling study, you have to study to play. And I mean, the Varsity Cup is now an elite sport a structure in, in yes. South African rugby. And I think something like that through Deitse Bosman and Francois Pinar was involved in that to get this going, I think was actually a, a good brainchild for... for for rugby and now, as I said, the netball spheres in yeah. there to, to study something. We we, we spoke about um, kids having um, multiple sporting disciplines at school and, and participating in that. But if you look at most of your um, sportsmen that makes it in the in the in the big league, they've all got some kind of education behind them. I mean, yeah, there's a there's a lot of the players that's currently playing. That are that are qualified doctors and lawyers yeah. and 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 they all got careers and and businessmen success, successful businessmen. So most of the guys that make it in 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 the big league, if you can, yeah, yeah, top flight, are guys that's making it in <clears throat> in life in general. Um, and I think once your school, the school kids, realise that that is the actual fact, and rugby is not the the be all and end all, it's just a means to an end actually. Um, they will do much better, especially rugby. I think you know rugby is such a it's a contact sport, obviously. And I mean, your injury could yes. end your career tomorrow. Hundred percent. Whereas, and I'm not saying all sport, but the other sport, you probably get a longer life, like cricket, for argument's sake. I mean, yes, there's certain injuries that that halt your your career, but I mean, you can play cricket until you how old? You know, only only a few few players can play professional rugby to the age of 36, 38 or whatever. It's only the, the few that... and the, as Ask Stephen, Johan Ackerman, he's got the Yeah, he's got as, the I mean, Victor Matfield was, <laughs> was quite old when he played yeah. in that, you know. And, you know, then you look at guys like... Sorry, Stefan, I'm putting you on the spot here, but you look no at problem. guys like Stefan, I mean, if you follow this guy on social media, he's forever training. So I think if you had to... If we had to speak to Sean... Everett now, and you had to test with the shark team. I'm sure you'll be right up there from a fitness point of view as well. And <laughs> and I mean that's what it's about. You know, you need to p keep pushing yourself, and it's a lot of pressure. Um, but it's just like that when it can happen, and then that's the end of your yeah. career, and you have to fall back on. Something. I just want to officially say it now, Stefan, that I've deleted your profile off my Facebook page because you really wow, so do you... make me so tired when I watch you. I promise you, I can't. Yeah, you're... You're one of those guys that unfollow me, so I'm not happy about that. But he unfollows you because you make him tired watching you train. <laughs> you make me feel guilty. Yeah. Um, moving on to to rugby and rugby scores. Um, we some schoolboy rugby. We had the Wilderclaver, Epsa Wilderclaver um, series as well as the 
the Selborne um, Jubilee. Yep. Um, just two of the, the big tournaments that happened about two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. Yep. Um, I think the, the Wilderklave was uh, a mini um, Craven Week with some of the big schools playing there and some brilliant schoolboy rugby. Yep. Stefan, I don't know if you watched some of those games. Yeah, I was fortunate to watch on the Monday. I think it was a public holiday in South yes. Africa. Workers' Day, in fact, on the yes. 1st of May. Yes. And I got to watch. I was, I was like, okay, this is now the last game I'm going to watch. And then the next game, Fontaine <laughs> take on Paul yeah. Lewis. Yes. Yes. I'm going and the next game. is like, DHS play Oakdale. Oh, no, I'm going to watch this one again. I ended up watching all of that rugby. And it was just absolutely what we've been talking about earlier, the talent yes. on display on that, on that in that tournament and, and just on that day alone is like unbelievable. We should we should really never lose a World Cup ever again uh, with the yes, amount of yeah. talent yes. we have, natural talent we have. Look, managing them and, and making sure that they get the right pathway and that they that they last is, is important and that's a very, very hard job. And, and if you don't believe me, just look at the players that we have in this country, first of all, and you look at South Africans, playing overseas, still eligible for South Africa. But look at all the other teams across the world where South African players are, are yeah, playing. Yes, sure. And you'll be absolutely amazed that there's 300-plus players overseas who could quite easily <clears throat> play in a South African domestic competition yeah. if we had, firstly, the financial needs to it and, and the number of teams to host them. So we, we, are, we are blessed in this country with schoolboy rugby unbelievable for sure i always laugh because when we watch overseas rugby so yeah. there's obviously like we all we've got certain teams that we follow but when it's a team that i don't follow my sons always ask me dad or my little girl ask me dad which team are you are you supporting today and i look and i say no that one why that one that's got the most south africans in so i'm supporting <laughs> that team so it is like that stefan yeah. and then just to go back to your childhood and uh compared to to the, the bigger schools and, and that now and even Craven Week and so forth um, if you look at the development of players, the size of these boys nowadays compared to yesterday how do you how do you even start comprehending as to how things have changed over the years, obviously I think way back when there wasn't as much gym activity as it is now but I mean the boys today are actually men that are playing under 18 rugby no, you're absolutely right. And I, I look at schoolboy rugby, and I've got a son at high school now, even though he plays hockey. But you know, as a as a boarder at school, he needs he he must stay there till the first rugby team finish their game. So we every Saturday we watch schoolboy rugby, and 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 what a fun day it is out, especially after COVID for the last two years. A lot of those games, most of those games were didn't take place. So for us to be out in the rugby pitch, it feels like Saturday again. Yeah. It feels like weekend when you get to watch schoolboy rugby. I, I can't. And I, I, I often said to my friends watching the game with me, I said, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm so happy that I don't have to tackle those boys. Yeah, and they're only school. Sure. I, can't, I can't believe the size. Look, in our days, we had some big boys as well, but they were still... They were big, but they were still kids. These days, if you look at the guys playing, the boys playing rugby, and they look like men, they got... They got, they got. You can see they spend time in the gym. You can see they've been professionally prepared yes. for the game. They got shoulders. They got legs. They, they, um, they big, but they also look like like big yeah. men, which is, is the difference from the days the way we played. Yeah. Interesting fact is that when we got back to play international rugby, I think it was 1994, 93. Danny Haber and that team. Danny Haber, Peter Miller. They were playing centre. James Small on the wing. 
man for man, that team was a centimeter or two taller than our SA schools team from three years ago. <laughs> but the SA, the SA school boys team were heavier than the Springboks team of 1994. So that just shows you how the game has been played. No, for sure. Talking about schoolboy rugby now, just an uh, interesting stat. Um, I don't know if you watched the game between Hilton and Michael House on the 30th of April. The 150th time that those two teams played against one another and Hilton walking away 32-17. Phenomenal. Yeah. It was a it was a outstanding day of thirteen fourteen thousand people at the at the day. I wasn't there on the day, but I got lots of friends. My son was playing. He's in another in another school, but uh, a lot of my friends were there. Absolutely unbelievable to see, and so good to see those those derby days back. Hilton, of course, a big year for them this year. They're 150 yes. years old, coached by uh, by Brad McLeod Henderson. Yeah. He coached the Sharks to Curry Cup glory before. He's the head coach there. Greg Miller, SA Schools. A rugby player and SA Schools cricketer from Grey High. He's the director of rugby. So just in those two names, you can see what schools, the IP and the, the type of people they bring in to coach their schoolboys at that level. So you know, Brad, the Curry Cup coach, he's won a Curry Cup before. He's now coaching a schools team. You know, Greg Muller got all that experience, and he's the director of rugby. So yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful day. Hilton, 150 years old. Wonderful school, magnificent school in the Natal Midlands. And part of the reason why Greg always does so well because he's still like a kid himself. He's, <laughs> no, he does. Eh? He's, he's a handful. Ask, look at that face. <laughs> Stefan will tell you. <laughs> look at that face. I know. <laughs> oh, then, um, Varsity Cup, if we can just go back to the Varsity Cup final. We haven't spoken about the Varsity Cup final again. Marty's against Tuckies. Um, Mark, you and I had a couple of conversations about this before. Tucky's going down to, to Stellenbosch, beating Marty's 29-23. Uh, Stefan, I don't know if you had a, had a squiz at that I'm one. I'm sure you would have. That's, a, that's, another one, that's another one I told my wife I had to watch. So, so. <laughs> I think you've got the same luckily, problem as we have. Yeah. Luckily, we've got a TV downstairs that I'm allowed to watch with the remote every now and then. <laughs> but also a good so, game. Yeah, another one. Another great game, another great game. Wonderful crowd uh, at the at the game at Downey Craven Stadium in Stellenbosch, and, and uh, two other powerhouses in in certainly universities in South Africa. Marty's need no introduction to the number of yeah. Springboks they produce and their heritage and the you know and the history they've got there. And then you know, tucks with the the players that's come through them as well from you know from Nas Buerta's era, Bernard class and even before that. Yeah. Uh, great, great addition, but a great result for them. A lot of talk, obviously, about Egan Seconds, the TMO, make call right <laughs> at the end, yeah. and that's yeah. why I said I'm so. Uh, uh, there's one thing that I don't want to do in life, and that's be either a referee or a TMO because yeah. it's uh, the, the most <laughs> thankless yeah. job in the world, and you can never get it right. But yeah. uh, if you take, even if you take that incident or take that, whatever you want to see it away, a, a great game of rugby and. Yeah, just two two massive teams going head to head. So if you if you can just recall going back a week prior to that in the Varsity Shield, um, so what I want to say is both both games, both finals yes. were basically yeah. won nearly either in the last minute or just into just injury into time. Yeah. Isn't that important, especially finals? I mean, finals you want yes. the final to be close. Not as a coach, obviously, you want your team to win and get <laughs> yeah. the pressure off you. But from a spectator point of view, it's nice yeah. to sit, especially if you're neutral, to see the fight until the end. 
Um, and, and both teams, the, the, the final in the Varsity Shield and the final in the Varsity Cup was basically played right until the end. Um, and I mean, if you think about it, Martis were leading until they, until they, the missed tackles happened a little bit and, and Bob was your uncle right at the end, you know. And you're talking about TMO decisions and that, Stefan. If you go back to the Varsity Shield, I um, mean, that yeah. day, they were into injury time already. And you talk about pressure from a referee to have to give a penalty try right there for that yeah. team to actually go on and win, yeah. which was obviously four there. I mean, uh, you are right. I personally, I would never be a be a referee as well. There is immense pressure on these guys. I don't want to be one of them. Really, don't want to. Be. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. It's it, it's great for for South African rugby and a and a massive con uh, concept that that was it born is. a few years ago and may that continue for a long time. Before we go into club rugby, um, somebody made a statement um, about the the schoolboy rugby that was over the the Easter weekend, and now we've seen the the Wilderklavers and Salbourne, and you see these big schools clashing, you see the boys there, and you think about the Varsity Cup and the Varsity Shield, and then the question pops out, why is our franchises battling to get players? Why are they battling and why are they buying players in if we have all of these, all of this talent sitting here at the bottom? Stefan? Just sorry, just just repeat that for me again. You just broke up there slightly. Sorry. Uh, uh, we, I was just talking about the, the, the Easter weekend, all those festivals over the Easter weekend, and uh, the schoolboy rugby, and then also the Varsity Cup and the, and the Varsity Shield, and you look at all the talent that we've got there, and then it, it seems like some of our franchises are struggling to get players and to get good players to be competitive. And you think about those players. Now, the question was asked, why are we battling at franchise level if we've got all of this talent sitting around? Yeah, I think, again, you know, after school, what happens after school, if you look at the Varsity Cup, uh, interesting thing about Varsity Cup is that a lot of those players that are coming through Varsity Cup, as we would like to call it, coming through Varsity Cup, they are already contracted to unions. So a lot of the guys, like with Tux and Marty's, uh, a lot of those players who, who came through or played for them in the final, they already got a contract with, with certain unions, yeah. uh, whether it's Western Province or the Blue Bulls, for instance, because those two those two universities are based in Pretoria and other ones, Stellenbosch, obviously falling under Western Province. So again, it's finding the right talent, bringing them through. There shouldn't be a shouldn't be a problem. If you look at our, and, and I assume that you are you talking about current franchises or you're talking about the URC. Uh, teams struggling well, to, to get I, players. I'm talking about both of them. If you if you look at URC, yes, URC, we've got um, some 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 good teams, and our teams seem to be doing very well against the Northern Hemisphere sides now in the second second half of the of the URC. Yeah. But if you now go back to our Curry Cup, it it seems like our Curry Cup franchises um, are not doing as well. If you if you look at the the URC franchises versus the Curry Cup teams. Call the Sharks, the Sharks URC side doing much better than, than the Curry Cup side and so the Lions as well. If you look at the Lions URC side versus the Curry Cup side, it, it just seems to have such a big gap um, from the one to the other. And, and you look at all the talent that we've got in, in Varsity Cup, it's almost, I don't know, it, it's 
difficult to comprehend why we're battling at that level. I think if I can come in here, I think part of that is obviously the URC is, is a new competition for us. I think we only really in the latter part of this competition started finding our feet. And if you can go back a year or two ago, we said that you weren't going to contract as many players. And then the URC obviously kicked off. And, and I think all your season campaigners should be playing in that because your youngsters coming through now should go through the Curry Cup to get there. Yes. Um, that's my take on it. And next year it's going to be even worse now that we've, con- that we've qualified for the, for the Championship Cup because we're going to play in another competition now with, these, with Western Province, the Bulls and the Sharks qualifying for that, being in the top eight of the URC. So I think that, that in itself is going, to, is going to cause a problem for us next year and going on. But I think part of, part of my take is that many of our players here don't only get contracted by South African franchises. Yeah. These guys get scouted as youngsters in schools already when they leave Craven Week. Some don't even make Craven Week. And they get poached by, by overseas companies or franchises. And I think that's part of the problem. I think we are, we are a breeding ground for world rugby. Um, and where's the money? Unfortunately, it's not here. It's in, it's in no. Europe. And that's what happens. Yeah, I think it's a very valid point. And you, you do do. I do believe that some of the guys playing at Varsity Cup, I think a lot of them play Varsity Cup. And that will probably be the last and the most right. uh, competitive rugby that 100%. they play. They, they've, they've made the choice that. They're going to play Varsity Cup rugby, but after 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 Varsity, they're going to into the corporate world. They're going to find their feet. Definitely. And they're going to play. Yeah. We do we do lose a lot of players going overseas, and then also it, I don't think it's a fair it's a fair playing field. If you look at probably we probably go, let's go Bulls, Lions, Bulls, Sharks, sorry, Bulls, Sharks, and Western Province. Those are probably your three big franchises, Lions to a lesser degree at yeah. this stage. And, and they will contract a lot of players. So there could be there could be guys in the bull setup or the shark setup who's very quite easily play for the Lions, quite easy play for the Cheetahs or or Griquas or, or, or the Pumas. But uh, you know they're contracted by the Sharks. The Sharks, for instance, will have 60 contracted or 80 contracted players, whatever that number is. Please don't quote me as I, as I don't have the right number. But you know they rather take their chances with the Sharks and be involved in a, a so-called bigger franchise and go play curry cup rugby where they have an opportunity for, for you know, whether it's for the Cheetahs or for the Griquas or, or for the Pumas. Definitely. Yeah. Stefan, thank you very much. We unfortunately ran out of time. There's still a lot that we wanted to yes. discuss. Um, we'll have to get yeah. you back. Right? No, we definitely have to <laughs> get you back yeah, to carry on with this conversation. But thank you very much. Um, we really appreciate your time and uh, your input. Um, always brilliant to, to listen to what you guys have to say. Uh, thank you very much, Guy. I really enjoyed that. And sorry that I talked too much. We'll, uh, we'll, have, to, <laughs> no. we'll, uh, we'll have to target we'll have to target club rugby soon. So uh, we, hopefully well, I can... Well, we were I going to talk about club again. rugby, but yeah. then, then you and Guy spoke too much. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Totally lost this weekend, so I thought you Oaks don't want to talk about club rugby this, we, this weekend. We, we tried to avoid it as much as we possibly we were, could. We were. We wanted yeah, to thanks, ask Stephen. you a few questions on that, but luckily you spoke a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Shame. No, thanks, Stefan. Really appreciate it. And yes. uh, we'll definitely have you back. And I mean, you you are a, a club rugby follower yourself, so we'll definitely press on your button to have you back in studio. Yes. And as I said, maybe we'll sit in that uh, 
lovely study of yours <laughs> and you, you can take us through your jerseys and that to tell us where they are because I can I can just imagine there's lots of history in that in that specific room anytime guys you're, well, you're always welcome <laughs> thank, thank you Stefan really appreciate have a good evening you too thank, thank you, you. thanks Abe to all our listeners from myself Kasper Els and Mark Cameron have a great rugby week goodbye